Welcome back, everybody. Time again for another Word Balloon comic book conversation. This is John Suntress. Very excited to welcome Julie and Shauna Benson to Word Balloon. The sister writing team has taken over Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, and uh, they're off to a fantastic start. They have two issues in the can. Number three is coming out September 14th, and uh, I am a fan. I've been a, a fan of various runs of Birds of Prey, was a huge Gail Simone fan, and uh, really have to say that this is a great start and another great DC Rebirth comic. So it's a pleasure to talk to them. Of course, they're also television writers. They write for The 100 on the CW, and I've been corrected. It isn't The 100. It is The 100. Uh, that show is going into its fourth season. It's uh, It doesn't have a, a debut date yet. In fact, uh, the Bensons talk about that, and we get a little behind-the-scenes information of how their writer room works and also uh, just uh, some various uh, background things that I think 100 fans will find very interesting. I can't say I do watch the 100, but i got to say I've, I've learned about the premise listening to the Bensons on uh, other interviews, and it's intrigued me. So uh, I, I think I will uh, kind of put away some time and uh, try to catch up on the 100 before uh, the fourth season starts. But uh, really great conversation. Uh, they are... Uh, one of us, or two of us, I guess, in this case. And uh, we talk about uh, the, the nerd stuff they loved growing up. They're big fans of uh, British sci-fi, as we'll learn. And uh, they're uh, also uh, people from central Illinois, where I went to high or college, I should say. And uh, so it's great to learn more about another uh, couple of Illinois people. Shauna and Julie Benson, on today's Word Balloon, it's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. It does mean a lot. I've got some uh, so many interviews coming up, and also uh, with the uh, Comic Con, uh, Cincy Comic Con coming up next weekend, this coming weekend, September 11th weekend, from the 9th through the 11th. I will have uh, panels that I'll be presenting uh, before uh, you know, the Word Balloon audience hears them, but uh, the Patreon audience will get them first, and I'm looking forward to that. I always try to do that every year. Uh, I try to do it any time I get uh, a real backload of, of shows. And uh, so it's my way of thanking uh, the Patreon people for their support. If you want to help and subscribe to Word Balloon, it's not necessary. Word Balloon is free. But if you want to help the cause, uh, I have a Patreon page, and uh, your contribution would be great. Can you spare a dollar a month? That would be great. Um, you know, I, I try to put out uh, a good number of hours each month of uh, conversation that uh, involves the geek world, and I think it's uh, worthy of uh, support. So uh, if, you, if you agree and you think it's pretty good and, you know, think about it, you spend uh, 3 to $5 on a comic book. It takes you about, uh, if you're lucky, 15 minutes to read if you're really, really slow. And, uh, you know, Word Balloon, meanwhile, provides uh, several hours of conversation with the creators, uh, getting their behind-the-scenes stories in a way that, frankly, I don't, I don't think uh, you get anywhere else. So uh, thank you very much, League, for your support. And uh, Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Normally, I'd say let's look up a bunch of, uh, of Shauna and Julie Benson uh, works to do, but they've only got two issues uh, going so far. So instead, let's look at some uh, former runs of Birds of Prey. And I point some of these out because it's part of the problem. I mean, there's a lot of great books out there, but listen to this. You can get Birds of Prey, Trade Paperback Volume 1, written by Chuck Dixon, uh, Greg Land, and uh, Gary Frank among the artists, and uh, that is uh, 42% off. It's just $11.59. You can also get the Birds of, Cray, uh, Birds of Prey hardcover volume one. It's called Enron, and it comes out of brightest day, but this time it's Gail Simone, Ed Bennis, uh, Adriana Mello, and Alvin Lee 
Uh, it is 42% off and $13.33. You can also get Birds of Prey, Volume 1, Trade Paperback, Trouble in Mind. Uh, that is Dwayne Swarzynski's run on the Birds of Prey. All very interesting, all very good, but, you know, in this story, is Black Canary guilty of murder? It's the first seven issues of Swarzynski's run on Birds of Prey, and it is 42% off. It's only $8.69. There are lots of runs and, and trades of Birds of Prey featuring Chuck Dixon, Gail Simone, uh, Christine Marks, uh, you know, a Dwayne Swarzynski. Go to InStockTrades.com, feast on the Birds of Prey, books that are available to you at great prices. You're not going to believe it. I'm teasing in terms of, obviously, all the Volume 1s, but obviously, really great stuff. InStockTrades.com. Okay, enough fun. Let's uh, get to this awesome conversation with Julie and Shauna Benson. I'm really excited. I met them in San Diego. They couldn't have been nicer. Uh, Pants from Comic Geek Speak, a good friend, is like, hey, they're cool. And that was very good to know, and I heard Pants' interview with them, and he did a great job. So uh, they had my uh, log to the fire of the uh, fine conversation that you can hear with the Bensons. In fact, Julie appears a lot on Ben Blacker's excellent Nerdist Comics Writers panel show. In fact, there's a, there's a discussion from last week that I still haven't gotten to about Thor. And uh, Heath Corson and, uh, and Ben and Julie all, uh, all talk about Thor. So uh, just to, you know, if you're, if you're not satisfied with what you get here couple other options for you of other great podcasts but now here's my conversation with julie and shauna benson on word balloon julie and shauna benson it is a pleasure to have you on word balloon welcome thank you thank you for having us we were just going over the fact that we're all illinois people yes we are midwestern folk you're central illinois people right central illinois uh grew up in morton home of libby's pumpkin cannery so if you've ever had (laughs) libby's 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 on the label 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 label, label. label You will like it, like it, like it on your table, table, table. I remember that commercial. That's fantastic. Um, Uh, Yeah. Is Morton on Highway 55 or 57? It is on the 74. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because I went to Illinois State. uh, Yeah, it's about uh, 20 miles uh, uh, west of Bloomington. Okay. All right. And I, you know, I was, I worked in the Peoria radio market at a Bloomington station. It was uh, WIHN and it was 97. Yeah. But like 96 point something. Yeah, we would have, we would have listened to that because, yeah, we were, I wouldn't say equidistant. We were closer to Peoria than Bloomington, but we were pretty close to half and half. Yeah. And then I went to school in Chicago and lived there for quite a few years. So I miss the old Windy City. Julie. Yes, Julie. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Excellent. And yeah. And, and you, you guys did. So so that was Julie and Shauna speak again. Yes. This is Shauna. Excellent. Is Julie. I have more of a baritone thing happening. So. <laughs> gotcha. And when, and when uh, where, where did you go to, to school, Shauna? I went to uh, U of I in Shambana land. Oh, cool. oh, you see. And that was our like oasis. Yeah. Right. Uh, because Bloomington <laughs> yeah. sucked. Oh, Out in the middle was, of the cornfields. That's. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it really, like, Champagne was like Little Chicago. It was. In terms of, like, the fun stuff you could do. Yeah, I mean, actually, it, most people wouldn't think of it as being a, a, a metropolitan urban type area. But there were parts of the city that were very gentrified, very Chicago-like. Because yeah, there are just so I many know, Chicagoans there. Right. And I know Ebert, uh, Robert Roger Ebert grew up around yeah. there. And he kind of, like, helped... Uh, I think bring prominence to the city, and certainly he would come down with his film festival and stuff like that. That's yeah, right. he supported so. the uh, independent 
uh, film theaters that existed there. I saw a lot of movie at the Fine Art. <laughs> Very cool. I got to, you know, um, I spent 10 years at WXRT in Chicago and the sports station, The Score, and uh, got to know uh, actually Siskel better than Ebert. Oh, wow. But, um, but I did know them both and great guys and I miss them both and they were really smart film critics and very down-to-earth guys and it was really cool uh, during the Bulls championship years. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, so, you know, we're, we're out there covering the game and, of course, they're out there watching the game. Right. Gene was a huge Bulls fan. Yeah, I got to meet Gene once but it was, uh, ironically, while I was living in Florida, um, after I graduated okay. U of I, I went to Florida and worked for Disney. This is Shauna. And uh, working for Disney, I worked on a radio program uh, that was uh, about uh, Walt Disney World. It was pretty much an hour-long commercial for Disney World, but we did uh, celebrity interviews. And, wow. Uh, so uh, whoever was sort of in town and visiting the parks, we would get them to interview for the show. And he was in town, and I remember having to run out. Uh, and, I mean, this was, after, like, maybe I was 21, 22, so I was pretty young. And uh, I, okay. I remember just having to run out in the pouring rain to go find a newspaper <laughs> so that they could go through what the movies were in the theaters. So they could <laughs> talk about the movies in release, and he could, you know like give his little capsule reviews of stuff that was out. So So you're a thousand years old because you guys couldn't just like look up the movie. That's right. right. <laughs> we had to exactly. it was free internet. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, he no, they were great guys. And uh Cisco was a big horse player and and honestly we'd run into him a lot uh on big uh like Derby Day and also more so the Breeders' Cup. Oh no way. Which happens in November. And yeah, that's like, you know, I, I stop everything and uh, the Derby I'll, I'll take and leave, but Breeders Cup I usually am in an OTB somewhere, <laughs> and I used to wind up in downtown Chicago and be hanging with uh, Cisco would be there oh, and he'd join man. us. It was a lot of fun. That's wild. That's awesome. That's the '90s. Well, that's what happens when you're old and it was the '90s. It was all <laughs> there right. There you go, everyone. Welcome to our lives. <laughs> Excellent. And back to you guys. Now I want to talk about the hundred because, frankly, I have to confess I haven't been watching. <laughs> and I, but I, but honestly, uh, you guys are going into season four, right? Yeah, yeah, we're on, we were on season three uh, last year, and yeah, we're in the middle of breaking season four now. It's it's been crazy. It's such a dark show. I think people hear you know CW show teenagers post apocalyptic, yada yada, and you know they tune out, and then anyone I've told about it is like, oh, I'll check it out, and they get past the first two or three episodes and then it's I get the email that's like like two weeks later of okay I marathoned everything on Netflix where's the rest like <laughs> so it's pretty addictive and it's definitely a a bingey show so if you have a good week ahead of you of free time do it <laughs> well honestly I heard you guys with with pants from Go comic geek speak talking about it and I'm like oh that sounds kind of cool it, it to me sounded almost like what happened to the Galactica crew yeah. after they like go back on Earth? And granted, it was prehistoric times and much different <laughs> uh, because I did read what has happened in those three seasons. And it's nuts. you know, yeah, it, it is very Battlestar. It's Battlestar meets Game of Thrones meets what? Walking Dead. Walking Dead. I, I mean, there's the, it's got sure. a little bit. It's a little bit of a pastiche. There's a lot of elements in the pot, and it kind of 
boils up into its own special sauce. But um, I think, uh, yeah, the the thing about it that most people notice right off the top when they first watch the pilot is it's very Lord of the Flies, right? It's a bunch of teenage, yes. teenage kids crash landing on Earth and having real freedom for the first time in their entire lives, uh, living cooped up on a space station. So they go a little crazy, as you would expect teenagers to do. So the show starts out with a very teen vibe. And then once the reality of living in the post-apocalyptic hellscape that is the Earth 97 years after a nuclear apocalypse uh, sets in, they, they start to start to either die or get really serious about living. Yeah. And and apparently the, the planet is still habited. It wasn't, it, you know, everyone thought everyone had left and were on these space stations and then the, the hundred come back, but apparently uh, some survived and they run into some fiefdoms down there that, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's not it's not pretty a, cool, man. It's not much of a spoiler at this point to talk about the fact that that's really the twist of the pilot at the end is we're not alone. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a, yeah, it, I mean, that's a well-worn trope. And yet at the same time, it's incredibly effective. That's why it's that's cool. So, um, but it's a lot of fun to work on and uh, we get to come up with some really crazy, crazy stuff to do uh, every week. So, you know, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, learning opportunity for us as writers, but also just a really fun show to work on. Who's the showrunner on The 100? Jason Rothenberg. Um, he created it. He's been on since day one, obviously. And um, okay. yeah, he's kind of a mega weirdo genius who somehow comes up with the craziest stuff that, you know, it, it, the best is if you're breaking a story and he comes in the room and he's like, you know, it's a little linear. Um, can we just make it harder? So every episode it's, we're literally putting them at a cliff's edge and trying to figure out a way to get them out of it the next week. You know, we're in that episode. It's, it's a tough job, but yeah, we love it. Do you, do you guys do that to each other then? A group, you know, uh, writers for episode one, put somebody on a cliff and it's like, all right, guys for episode two, good luck. There's a lot of like, that's 403's problem or something. (laughs) Awesome. Sometimes it's like, well, we're going to get whatever the biggest bang out of this episode is. And then we'll try to figure that out next week. Figure it out next week. Because, yeah, you know, and and then you do, you, you, you know, you beat your head against the wall and eventually you get the answer. Somehow we do it. It's a lot different from writing comics though. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I want I want to get into that obviously as well because uh, two of your comics have come out so far, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. But uh, I'm, I I want to stick with TV for a second. Like, what kind of writers' room is it? Is it like you guys go off? It sounds like you know you guys get to go off, and the two of you are a team and are are kind of breaking an episode or whatever. How does it work? Um, yeah, the show we have about what thirteen or so writers this season. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a really large room considering how. Uh, downscaled Hollywood has been in the last decade or so in terms of the writers rooms, but we have three writing teams. So we have a lot of bodies in the room, which is uh, is brains, more brains is a good thing. Sure. And so, yeah, every day we go in about 10 o'clock and we break story and and Jason is in and out of posts or, you know, working on a script or working on whatever meetings and coming in and hearing stuff and approving it and moving on. And, um, I don't know. It takes a few weeks to break an episode, and it takes then... about two weeks. We take about two weeks per episode to break it okay. and get it to get it to a place where it's ready to be written. And then um, the writer for the episode goes off yep. and does their work, and the room you know, moves on, <laughs> and the room moves on to the next thing. And we just keep going and like that, and. Uh, uh, and so, and then uh, at some point it's Christmas or something, and then yeah, and so we all collapse basically. <laughs> from exhaustion. 
How long of a break do you guys get between seasons? Well, or not, obviously that's mid season, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, it was weird because last year we ended we the writers' room wrapped around Christmas, and then we didn't come back until May, mid May. May. Oh. Uh, so it was a big we had break. A long break. Uh, yeah. it, it was also the question of, you know, is the show coming back? When would the room start? There's all this stuff that goes on in TV. So I don't know what will happen sure. this year, how much of a break there'll be. We haven't even been told when the premiere date is yet. Yeah. But uh, we don't know when the premiere will be. We don't know if we're coming back again. I mean, there's a, you know, it's a whole what? host of things. But the, the nice thing about having the long break was that it actually gave us the opportunity to do something else while we were waiting for the show to come back. And, you know, opportunity landed in our lap in the form of, the birds of prey. That's fantastic. Yeah, I heard again, and I, but I want you to say it for the word balloon audience. <laughs> um, you guys obviously ran into Jeff Johns. Yeah, uh, he and How I, did that happen? it was weird. He and I were social media friends, and you know, obviously, I was a big fan of his and had read everything. And um, at the beginning of the year, it was sort of one of those like we should meet in person. And you know, we went to this dinner, and I talked to him about Crisis on Infinite Earths for like. The joke is like 20 minutes and didn't get him, let him get a word in edgewise and told him what they should have done on the new 52 and all of, all of my opinions. Attic good. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where I thought, who I thought I was. Um, but then, yeah, he kind of just jokingly said, why aren't you guys writing a book for us? And I said, well, you know, I thought you need permission to do that. And he said, well, let's set up a meeting and talk about what you guys want to do. And so we went away and took about two or three weeks to come up with a million ideas and a million pitches. We were going to pitch a psycho pirate story. We were going to pitch a vandal savage story. We had all this stuff, an email from Jeff saying, Hey, don't worry about a book to pitch you guys. So <laughs> we had done all this research and all this work went in and they're like, what about birds of prey? And we're like, uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, <laughs> and then we were told to do our, um, to do our take and send it in. And we, we got it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It makes it sound and so yeah. easy. It makes and, uh, it sound very easy. I, I very, that was well, a really quick summary. Yeah. But in but it really, in fairness too, I mean, you 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 are established writers, and that's you know, I'm glad that they're doing the DC uh, workshops for both writers and artists right now yeah. to be a little more inclusive. But I also, and maybe because I don't have the desire to write for either big company, I do get that. Like, well, Marvel and DC are big companies, and they do want established writers. And you look at the new names that are given big opportunities, like, and, I, and I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Tahisi Coates yep. doing Black Panther, Marjorie Liu a couple years ago when she broke in. Yep. Um, they're established writers. They've already got writing credits to their name. They're pro writers. Yep. And I do appreciate everyone wanting to break in because it does look like fun and you're a lifelong fan. But by the same token, it's like – yeah, but you know, you don't really start at the big two normally. Yeah, but again, we you guys are doing that. We were definitely uniquely positioned. Uh, right. DC had moved their entire operation from New York the previous year, and it yeah. was in part to take advantage of the talent pool that lives in LA. You know, they've already got a multitude of writers out there working on DC properties. You know, they True. have a lot of people working on DC television shows. And even though we aren't specifically on a DC show, we do work on a CW show. And Warner Brothers. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're, which is a Warner Brothers show. And, uh, and, and so there was a little bit of confluence there of, you know, it's like, hey, this, this is a really good partnership. And, and, you know, add to the fact that we were both comics fans. And in Julie's case, 
a super fan. No. Um, <laughs> that well, tell me about your fandom, Shauna, because uh, you know, yeah, Julie, you know, talking them up about Crisis, and I do want to hear that stuff. But also, <laughs> yeah, because honestly, I've heard Julie on other shows. I really haven't heard your your comics background is in terms of a fan. Being yeah, a fan. my comics background is a little more low key, uh, not quite as. Um, as varied as my sister's, I was very much uh, growing up. I was a I was a total uh, sci-fi fantasy book nerd, and cool. um, and TV nerd, of course. We we're both TV nerds, but um, I spent a large portion of my time reading, um, you know, The Hobbit, you know, Tolkien, Henline, sure. Niven, nice. you know, wow. Piers Anthony, you know, like cool. just you know anything and everything that uh, Mercedes Lackey, you know, whatever I could get my hands okay. on that was uh, that was nerdy and inspiring. So uh, that was a lot of my background and my real first comics, besides our dad Silver Age, which Julie I think has talked about being a source of uh, of our maybe origin for inspiration. It cool. was um, uh, Star Trek Next Generation comics because I was a big fan of the show. Fun. Now, who was was that Marvel or who was doing it at the time? Uh, actually, DC was or DC? doing it. Oh, okay. And yeah, the Peter, the Peter David, and and Robert Greenberg and guys like that, yeah, right? Peter David was doing um, the Star Trek series, uh, the TOS uh, line. Okay. And then it was uh, Michael Jam Friedman doing most of the uh, TNG line. Oh yes, and I've read a lot of his Star Trek novels too. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I mean, there was a lot of crossover there. I mean, it was sort of a natural crossover for me having already read a lot of those books I mean I was a huge Peter David fan huge so um I, I that was where a lot of my reading was and then I branched out a little bit and it was still kind of in the adaptation mode so I wasn't reading. TV adaptation wasn't there Quantum Leap comic? yeah well I was, oh you're reading Quantum Leap's books I that's was, cool were they good they were beautiful image books I mean they were really nicely printed I you know I still have a few of them and I think the quality of them was just amazing and I know that sounds ridiculous but you know, it's like sometimes you pick up, you know, a comic and it just there's it didn't have weight to it. And this had weight. I felt like I was reading something important in a weird way. That's cool. I just talked to the IDW uh, Star Trek people. It's going to be actually the episode before you guys. And um, honestly, I, I really do think there is for the last about 10 or 15 years, there's been a real leap forward pardon the pun, of, uh, of, of, of really, really good storytelling. And it was really obvious that, you know, yeah, like you said, there's more weight to these adaptations than I think there was, certainly when I was growing up. I mean, I caught the tail end of the gold key stuff that was being reprinted in the 70s. Yeah. And I was a little kid. And, you know, 10 years old, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But as I got older, it's like, yeah, this, this just isn't, you know, doing it. And I, and I, saw, I mean, the Star Trek stuff was always good because Friedman and, and uh, David were already, you know, again, immersed in the novels. And they, even, you know, this year at San Diego, I went to the uh, writer adaptation uh, panel that Max Collins and Andy Mangles mm-hmm. and, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to go to that panel, but I saw it. it- Yeah, you know, well, and I've had I've had Max on before, and I've even had Andy on before, and yeah, there's just a Marv Wolfman was there because he wrote, yeah, he wrote an adaptation of uh, of uh, Arkham Asylum, I think the 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 video game. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was really fun hearing them all talk about you know the the stuff that they were adapting in in novels and stuff, and yeah, the 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 writing is great. Would you ever want to do that, Shauna, and do any kind of novelization? You know, and not novelization, but 
original stories adapting from uh, TV or film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I keep trying to push the office into letting us do the 100 comic, but there's nothing. <laughs> there may not be a market for that. We're not sure. Um, no, I, a couple was a year or two ago, there was the um, boom, I think it was, had the adaptation of Philip K. Dick's do Android Stream of Electric Sheep, which was yeah, David Mack worked on. Yeah, that, sure. it was beautiful, and I mean, those yeah. are the kinds of things that, like, there are some books that will probably never be able to be made into film or television just because of their complexity and would Absolutely. cost, um, you know, like four hundred million dollars to make them realistically. And so, but comics gives you a way to tell those stories visually that is, you know, affordable. You know, one of the things that Julie and I talk about a lot is that coming from television and coming from working in a production environment, we're very used to having to uh, contain our writing down, you know, and make it producible. You know, whatever it is that we're writing, it's got to be producible. You got to be able to do it on a TV schedule and the TV budget. So, you know, you sure. can't have the exploding helicopter. And of course you go to <laughs> comics and they're like, could you put some exploding helicopters in here? Yeah, We're like, could, oh, yeah, yeah. Could you maybe take it out of the four rooms that you have, uh, <laughs> like, you know. Oh, they want you to go bigger. That, that's been the editorial note sometimes? Yeah, it has. the first note we got. They were like, you know, don't be afraid to just, like, you know, add some crazy elements to this scene. And we were like, yeah, duh. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course, I mean, course we should. Like, of course. But it was don't. that, it was literally, it just took one email and one sentence to be like, hey guys, remember this is comics. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about the budget. And we were like, oh geez, like, <laughs> that's so embarrassing. But it was good. It was early on and, and we learned that lesson quickly. And yeah, I just had to have somebody bash us over the head with it. <laughs> well, I like the storylines that are happening immediately in both Batgirl and Birds of Prey. And uh, I'm glad that one of the neat little kernels as they were winding down the New 52 was discovering that there was another Oracle. And I don't even know, is this is this a continuation of what the previous team on, on Batgirl was doing? Or, or is it just you've taken this theme and you want to continue it in a new story? Yeah, it's a new story. And, you know, Hope is doing the, the actual Batgirl title. And so we're doing the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey Hope title. Larson. Hope Larson. Um, and so there is confusion because it's like, why is it Batgirl and the Birds of Prey? I think it's just for alphabetical reasons, you know, so it's close <laughs> to Batgirl on the rack. I don't know. But... Um, you know, not our problem, not our issue, but, uh, it's funny because our, our books don't have to coincide. I think our run actually happens after Hope's Batgirl run. Uh, Batgirl goes to Asia and kind of does this self-discovery thing. And then we're kind of picking her up after that run. So there's a little bit of, um, calendar slash continuity confusion, I think out there, but I think everyone just has to look at every book as its own thing and, and not try to pick which day of the week the event is happening, you know? I got you. Okay. So you didn't write that Batgirl? No, um, no. That was Rebirth Hope, issue? No, that was Hope Larson and Raphael okay. Albuquerque did the art for that. And Julie and okay. I are writing Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. We wrote the Rebirth okay. issue that came out and now the number one that just came out a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, that, you know, um, tell me about then the team and your your perceptions of uh, of of the th- the trio the, the the birds of prey it's been so much fun um claire Rowe is our artist she lives in scotland uh, we've never met yeah, I her heard about this tell me about yeah, her yeah we've never met her uh, just a few emails and honestly she's been we've been working her like I don't even know what it's a salt mine. I think I, I the poor girl. We keep sending scripts that just have so much stuff going on in them, and we just never hear from her. So we just we just end up getting inks and pencils like when they're due, and we just look at them and they're amazing. But uh, she's great. She did a book called We Come Back, and I think there was like a silent L in there, so it's yeah. her welcome back. Was that Boom? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was boom. 
And uh, so she's amazing. And we have uh, Paquette doing our covers, Yannick Paquette. And nice. he's obviously a pro. Uh, we have Steve Wands doing lettering. He came off the Batgirl run from this last uh, run with, um, yeah, the Burnside run. And then who else do we have? We have Alan Pasolacqua. Yeah, Alan colors. doing colors. He teaches coloring for, for his, like, day job. So I think we got pretty lucky there because he's kind of amazing. So we've got a good behind-the-scenes team. Yeah, and, uh, our editors are the bat team. So we've got Chris Conroy, um, Mark Doyle, David, and obviously Jeff chimes in. Um, so which is your direct editor? Because I know, obviously, uh, oh, Chris Conroy. Doyle is... Pretty yeah. much Chris Okay, Chris Mark, Conroy. Yeah. Dave. Okay. Dave. Oh, and Mark. Did, okay. Okay. So all three do have input. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, Jeff. All right. Is that too many cooks? I mean, honestly, <laughs> that is a con- well. Really, that is a concern sometimes. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of voices, but that somehow they they merge it into one email, so we don't notice. Okay. We don't notice the. Uh, we don't get conflicting notes from them. They the kind of good. They put their okay, heads great. together and they send us their their collective thoughts. Yeah. And that is very helpful. Because- honestly, I'm because I, I am. I really am rooting for the rebirth uh, run because. I mean, I, I was one of those frustrated. I don't know if you heard uh, my yeah, last yeah, couple yeah. of weeks. Oh, you did? Excellent. I'm sure I sounded like a lunatic. No, no. Know. You sounded like a lot of people. <laughs> it was frustrating for a lot of people. Sure. Well, that's the thing. And I and honestly, no, this, this Rebirth debut has been fantastic. All the books, I mean, it really seems like, you know, they, they've got the right handle on the characters. Um, you you clearly do with, with the three birds. And I like that you've incorporated – um, what was the good stuff that was going on in the new Fifty Two? Because truly, Grayson, Black Canary, and Batgirl were like three exceptions. Where it's like, no, actually, these are good books, and and they they gave them interesting backstories. God, Black Canary is a rock and roller. That's fantastic. I mean, isn't that cool? And just the fact that she has this. Um, I mean, she's been around forever. She's been around longer than anyone. I mean, I think people forget that she like didn't she run the JSA for a while? Like she, she's all nights. She formed the JSA. Yeah, she's been around forever, and it's just so fun to kind of breathe some fresh air into her. As yeah, she has this metahuman skill, and Barbara's super smart. Like they're all so formidable. I mean, Helena is just such a badass. You just take those three and you know, the question we get the most is, are you going to add Barda? Are you going to add poison Ivy? Are you going to add Zenda, you know, Katana? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to do all of that. But right now our hands are full with these three broads, you know, like (laughs) we got enough going on. Yeah. I mean, they're all pretty formidable on their own, but you know, the thing that makes the birds of prey special is that each of them has a very distinct, uh, skill and advantage and viewpoint that uh, together makes that team incredibly formidable. Yeah, and able to stand apart from pretty much any other major superhero, including that big bat dude who looms over Gotham. <laughs> oh, that guy! He shows up in uh, which issue? Issue two, actually. Issue the two one that the, comes out in two weeks. Yeah. Okay, very cool. So that's uh, there's and a teaser of things to come. We haven't talked about that issue much, so. Uh, um, we're excited for it because we we think issue two is uh, is, is where the story where really, the really starts to take off and people understand what's uh, what's starting to come together and what's happening. Okay, and you know, forgive me because I read the I read the rebirth issue, but I didn't read issue one. Yeah, no, 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 it, it's fine. So yeah, no, but catch me up. Like, has uh, will Ollie? I mean, my my main question <laughs> was mentioning Batman, and no, well, you know, I'm I'm glad that Ollie and and Diner are kind of 
they remember each other, Isn't or at least that part nice. of it. It's sweet. Yes, thank God. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, they took away so much, and I don't want to dwell on the past, but they did. Yeah. And it's great that they're kind of reestablishing that stuff. And honestly, I want the women to be the stars of their own book. I'm only asking because. It, as you know, the their relationships yeah. are kind. Of, they they define who they are by their relationships with other heroes and other civilians. Yeah. So you know, will will Ollie show up in the book? Uh, not in the first run. Okay. Not in the first six issues, Probably. but it is definitely something that's going to happen in the next run. Okay, and how about how about Dick? Uh, yes, same I'll, answer. Same answer. <laughs> <laughs> We recognize that those relationships are really important, not just in the canon, but also just for these characters and who they are. I mean, they're a big piece of their yeah. lives. And, yeah. and while we don't think they are defined by those relationships necessarily, they are a big piece of them. And it's important to pay homage to that and also incorporate that into the story. One of the things that we discovered pretty early on in this process was that there is clearly a very big overarching story that's being told from the DC Rebirth uh, number one that Jeff Johns wrote and to be honest our story has very little to do with that um, and that's okay. an okay so thing far. a lot of the sure. a lot of the books really are just sort of getting their their feet wet and starting to you know walk wade into that little pool and and so it's it's good because we get to then slowly build up this story without having to worry about, you know, pulling from other titles and other issues. And we're really, you know, on this first arc, particularly very keenly focused on events in Gotham and kind of sticking to this one story of finding this fake Oracle because it's a personal story for Barbara, you know, Certainly. as a, as a name that she once held and uh, was, was very important to her in her past. So that's kind of where we're at creatively with the book right now is sort of very, very firmly focused on these three women getting and the their stories together. and getting them together and finding this fake Oracle. Is there, because they all had such defined roles in the, in the, previous incarnations of birds of prey and obviously barbara's was the yeah. you know uh you know the, the as oracle and everything kind of the eye in the sky and then back at home base and you go out here and stuff you know and and, and sending uh canary and the others in the field and everything so you know now all three of them obviously are capable of being in the field is there going to be some some sort of nest you know <laughs> somebody that said the ne guarding the nest while the birds are out well, um, ah, I hit a landmine. All stay, right, go. stay tuned. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> will that will that happen in the first arc? Well, you definitely will find out who Oracle is for sure. So, in regard to your question about will they have someone as their home base, that's something that is a dynamic of the original Birds of Prey book that is seminal. I think it's really definitive of the title. And right now, they don't have that. They are three okay. women out in the streets, you know, beating up bad guys and, and taking names and, you know, whatever <laughs> they need to do. Now, where they go forward from that is yet to be seen, because as this story unwinds, we'll see where the benefits of having the three of them together are and where there are, you know, holes, where there are things that they could really use, things that uh, are important. In issue one, which you didn't read, we did a, a flashback to a moment where Barbara and Dinah were 
working as the birds back in the old days, so to speak. Okay. You know, sort of like a, a, a missing adventure from the old Barbara days. as Oracle and, and, and Dinah in the field. Yes, right. exactly. And, and okay. you get to see how that partnership really worked well. And, and I think there's an adjustment that has to be made by both of those women to the new normal. You know, Dinah is very reticent about this because she does feel that Barbara is completely capable of operating on her own. Why would she want to get the birds back together? You know, she doesn't, she feels like Barbara doesn't need her. And yet it becomes very clear that Barbara does need her, if for nothing else, certainly moral support as they they deal with something that is very personal to them. So uh, I think that the the relationship issues are very firmly, you know, tied in or or mixed in with um, sort of what we call the plot issues, you know, the things that may have to happen for the team to be successful going forward. Got it. Okay. Man, I'll tell you, I, I was a big fan of Gail's run, obviously. Wow. And I know that's, oh, that's you know, one, one of millions. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't read much of Chuck's run before. And I know obviously Gail holds it in high regard and certainly Chuck created the team. It's so, really good. It's really good. Um, we uh, Luckily, I had the Chuck run and the Gail run. I even had – Got it. Yeah. Most of Dwayne's most run. of the yeah we the had most of the new fifty Krasinski, yeah, okay. yeah um I think they're all really good I think it's really fun to see that I, I you know they could read the phone book and I have a good time reading Birds <laughs> of Prey so I guess I'm easily entertained but um I do think the one thing that Gail introduced at the end that is something that I think is what a lot of people have latched onto and yeah. is why we keep getting the question of ro- sort of the rotating roster of characters. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Because yes. when she came back um, to the book after she had been away for a while and she had that second run, she um, you know introduced some of the other characters. And by that time, she'd already written the Batgirl title. Mm. And so Barbara was back as Batgirl, and so she wasn't involved with the Birds of Prey That's at that right. time. So I think the reason why people have really fresh memories of these other characters is because they were the ones they saw most recently. So Katana and Poison Ivy and Catwoman were all involved with the Birds of Prey, as was, sure. you know, Starling and Zinda. And, you know, so, I mean, it's, 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 we know that all of these characters exist in the world, and, and they all have really awesome stories to tell and oh yeah was zinda is zinda lady blackhawk yes yes yes. all right i thought so and yeah i loved i mean and i'll be honest i didn't read gail's second run i read Mm -hmm. that that classic run and yeah just the way that zinda was portrayed and stuff is just you know out there carousing and everything and every every as much of a world war ii vet as any of the other blackhawks and i just love that about her and everything and it's like that's great and no i uh, you know so and i really loved was it spy smasher that you know, Barbara took on even though she was paralyzed. And it's like, come on, let's go. And <laughs> that's know, like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, oh, I love, so you know, good. that's like my favorite moment. It's so definitely. good. And it was really important for us when we kind of got the gig and we had a big talk with the editors and everybody's been on board from day one. It's not like we've had to have arguments about this at all. But the biggest discussion was we wanted to be clear that what happened to Barbara happened. Barbara was Oracle. That continuity stuck. It was something that they kind of, you know, tiptoed away from when they brought yeah. the new 52 back. It was just sort of, okay, she's back girl again. Um, you know, she can have surgery and she can have and be, sure. and be quote unquote cured. But, um, 
we felt like that was really a it's it's a part of who she is. It's it's it is who she is. And so Oh my god. Well it shows that no obstacle can keep her from being the hero that she is. Yeah. I, I just, and that's really important. And and yeah, and again I mean that's the thing. I think a lot of these things were done with the best intentions. hundred percent. And and it obviously the the biggest thing was Look, if you ask somebody on the street who Batgirl is because of the TV show, it's Barbara Gordon yeah. taking nothing away from Stephanie Brown right. or uh, or and I or forget Kane or, or yeah. Cassandra exactly. You know, and I mean that's the thing, and so you got it. But yeah, to to kind of take away Oracle, it was like no, that was a real heroic <laughs> like period of Barbara Gordon's life that needs to be there. It was kind of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. No, and that's the thing, and I really appreciated you know, um, physically challenged people like stepping up and going, Hey, you took our hero away. And it's like, good for you. Absolutely. Stand up and let them know that. That's right. That's, you know, that's just, yeah, they were, they didn't realize they didn't know what they were doing or they did, but felt that it was more important to get Batgirl yeah. back to being Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Who knows? But I, I'm just so glad that those meetings were, everybody was on the same page of like, absolutely. Cool. You know, let's dig in. Um, the only, I, I think as a fan of DC Comics, the only weird thing is sort of saying that Huntress was never part of the team. That's the sort of new continuity that we're creating. Okay, and that's, all right, yeah. I noticed that for kind of the rebirth issue. Go on. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the previous run, she had been part of that team. They knew each other, whatever. So, um, you know, we're guilty of cherry picking a little bit of continuity ourselves, but we just felt like it's such a more interesting story to bring her in as a, as a sort of new character with, with what the runs were before us, the Grayson run with Helena, you know, the Black sure. Canary run and the Batgirl run. If you kind of smash all those things together, it really felt like Babs and Dinah were in books together and Helena was not part of that, that dynamic. So adding her to the team in this way, we felt was just a really cool we like it. I hope everyone else does. I yeah, know no, honestly. I know that it's a off-continuity thing, but I think it's it's better for story. Well, and Helena, I mean, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how far back your guys. Well, obviously, Julie, you, you know, with the psycho pirate and stuff, you know, yeah. I, you know, the, the one thing is, and I love Huntress. I do miss Helena Wayne. Because, I know. You know, I mean, it's that's what she. I mean, and obviously, they even made that you know point in the in the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That she was she was Helena Wayne again. That's- but yeah, I mean, that's you know, I miss Earth too, and I I, I don't know. What, I mean, you know, obviously. There's a path that's been laid out in that first issue that Jeff wrote of Rebirth mm-hmm. to bring the Justice Society back. Oh my God! Um, right? And and but again, I, you know, Bendis always says if you you know you pull too hard on the threads, you're gonna you know screw up the entire blanket. And I, and I get it. And I he's wearing tapestry, whatever. Yeah, and I, yeah. And yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I and I understand. So yes, yeah, so, so We're some to sacrifices. Tug on things and not, yeah. not, pull, not to pull too <laughs> exactly. hard. No, but you're right, and it's great to get these. Like, the, I think these three characters back. You know, is it, it's important, and also, like you said, the Grayson run. I mean, Helen, Helena's really King and, and Seely really gave her a, a really good character that I don't think she's had since I think Rucka really was handling. It. I know we love the Rucka. Was it Cry for Blood? Yes. Um, yes. Oh. Yes. It's so good. There's an issue that's coming up, not to spoiler, spoiler, but we tried to do sort of an issue for each quote unquote girl. I hate calling them girls, but we'll call them girls. Um, So that, you know, you had the sort of Babs backstory and rebirth and you'll get the Dinah one in, I think, three. And then the Huntress one comes in four. four. And we definitely took that Rucka run as sort of canon for that story. Um, Very cool. Because, yeah, I mean, that. That was so cool. <laughs> I, I recently, I recently dipped into Huntress Year One, which was published, I think, in two thousand nine. So who did that one? Just prior to New Fifty Two, which which also told a lot of the Helena Bertinelli mm, story. Right. 
Um, okay. And there's a lot of there's a lot of similarity to uh, the Rucka Run. Um, so if anybody is really really uh, you know wanting lo- to go read loves that. Huntress Year One, um, we're we're not straying too too far from that. But this is a different Helena. I mean, this Helena has been rebooted for New Fifty Two as a you know a half North African yeah uh, Italian woman. So she is a, a person of color and. You know, and so it's it's hard to lay that original template on top of her a little bit because she is different, um, and there Understood. are things that inform her that are different. So interesting. Who wrote that year one, um, Huntress? It's Do you remember? Ivory Madison, I think. It's Ivory. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Okay. And um, and is she is she um. At, at all, do we, did she ever come across David and I forget David's last name, the original Batwing, because they were both from North Africa? Or actually, I don't even know. Forgive me, I don't, I don't even know if uh, Batwing was necessary. I, I don't think so. Isn't that strange that she never came across Batwing? Uh, there yeah. must well, be. Well, there must be one. It, it, that would seem. Uh, uh, yeah, they, I don't you know. know. They've you know, been playing with her since the Grayson run, so it's not true. like she's true. really been back in the continuity yeah, for very that's long. True. Well, maybe write, two years. Writing that one down, John. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Given her an that's idea. Cool. You know, honestly, when, honestly, I really loved that original Batwing idea, and I, I thought it was a great opportunity oh my God, to so explore cool. Batman in a different international way. Yeah. And I'm, a, you know. Winnick is I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Judd's and I also like Judd a lot as a guy and you know, think he's a hell of a writer and I yeah I mean I like uh, I like what they did with Lucius Fox I thought that was a great idea yeah yeah you know Jimmy knows what he's doing too I mean that's the thing like I think a lot of a lot of the things they did to kind of tweak things along the way I did like and I'm like all right that's cool it kind of connects Batwing more to the the Batman family and I'm like that's that's interesting and I'm a boxing guy so I'm like oh Lucius is an MMA guy that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's that sports background. They did touch on exactly. that. I can't help it. Side, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, he was or in that. Son, right? It was his Fox. son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Luke. Yeah, that's right. Luke Fox, yes. Yeah. Who I assume would be like a junior or whatever, but goes right. by Luke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. No, I want, uh, what are you talking about? I want uh, I want Wildcat to show up and uh, uh-huh. give the some uh some if they need some extra street you know street tips and stuff like that i love wow stop it i love it i know i mean we we definitely have the list we have a list. we have made the list of like okay here's the pie in the sky yeah who can we get to be in these books even and, if it's you know, just for a cameo even if it's just a one off awesome. you know just to show up for two pages what we do there <laughs> So, you know, who knows? Hopefully we get to stick around long enough to get through at least, you know, part of the list. That would be nice. Yeah, but DC yeah, but says it's going to be an ongoing book as of what they can tell. So yeah. we'll hopefully have a couple more runs on this. And we've already pitched them our ideas for runs, you know, kind of two and three. And, um, yeah, it's all happening. That's, and is it double shipping as well? or No, no, no. It's one a month. Thank yeah. God. Okay. I think all I would, right, I would yeah, I know. Believe me, I understand. I would you're right. Gun, John, if I had to do sure. two a month. <laughs> Oh no! I, no, I, really, I can appreciate that. And as much as it's nice to know that certain books do come out every two weeks, I know how much of a chore that is for I don't know the writer how and even, doing even it. the I don't art know team. How Tom King must not. Tom sleep. King is doing it. I like all these guys. They must and not Tinian. sleep. Yeah, Tinian. Like that's, we saw those guys another... at Comic Con, and I they I, looked okay then. Yeah, I wonder how they'll look by New York. Yeah. <laughs> No, I understand. Hey, I remember Brubaker 
you know, kind of saying that's kind of one of the reasons why he stopped writing for Marvel was he's like, it's just too much. He goes, because, you know, yeah. I want to write my own stuff, too. And I'm like, no, I get it. It's yeah. a so, full-time job. I mean, if we didn't write for a TV show, obviously that would that would be a different conversation. But luckily, our dream job of getting to write for television came true last year. And then our, our other dream job of getting to write for comics is happening this year. And the fact that we're able to do both at the same time at all is such a gift from Warner Brothers and, you know, Jason and everyone letting us do this. Because yeah, we're very, very appreciative. Cool. It's a lot of work. and Our bosses on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, though, that like – and this is something that I like to talk about with the creators, how the ambition of being a writer for a DC or a Marvel used to be the pinnacle. Yeah. Like for a lot of comic book people. I mean that that was the dream job. And I don't know like beyond when you guys, you know, have more time. Do you do you have um original comic book ideas that you'd like to pursue? Yeah, we sure do. We wrote a few scripts that helped us get our TV jobs that were actually comic ideas before we put them to script, because we were like, well, we'll never make comic books. No one do- no one will let us do that. So we'll write <laughs> it as a TV pilot, and then maybe we'll go that direction. So we've actually done everything bass backwards from how <laughs> it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um. One of the things that we both set out for ourselves when we decided to write together was that we we want to we want to be able to create our own stuff. We want to be able to create our own comics. We want to be able to create our own television shows, and all of those sure. things come in time. And we are perfectly content right now to <laughs> be working on everybody else's stuff for the time sure. being, because it's 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 just a fantastic opportunity for us, and it's you know it's a it's a gift really. To, to be able to play with amazing characters and amazing story that already other people have have built up to the place where we get a chance to now play with them is is really wonderful. It's so. fun to send like DMs to Tom and say, "How much weight do you think that the uh, battering could hold?" You know, excellent. Like, you know, like, <laughs> fantastic. Is there because is there a real number? I can't find it. But what do you think? And then the response That's being like. Awesome. Tell me what you come up with, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That is great. uh, Living in that world, we're definitely pinching ourselves a lot. And the Bat family is is great. I mean, DC has put together an amazing roster of writers in the Bat group, as they call it. Super supportive. Oh, yeah. And we've had nothing but love with those guys and women. I mean, Hope being included in that. And uh, it's it's been really a great experience for us so far. We, we, we know that um, there are not a lot of women working in comics today, <laughs> um, which is a shame. And hopefully we can help change that somewhat. We certainly are proponents of more women writing comics because why the hell not? Yeah. Um, You're here. So Absolutely. really it's just a matter of, of sort of proving that this is the, you know, we're worth taking a risk on guys. It's really not that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> no, I, Hey man, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I think that's – I want more women in comics. I want more people of color in comics. There's no reason not to. The great thing is that if uh, – I mean you guys obviously, again, you you're, you got to be established television writers or at least beginning – you know, starting your, your television writing career. You had some opportunities and really the great thing is um, you know, so far it, I like what I've read so far in Birds of Prey and I, I'm looking forward to the story. You've, you've piqued my interest Yay. With, with this. Yay. Yeah, it was tough to do a rebirth in a number one. I think 
that was our that was our biggest whiny moment if we had one, which was we had kind of quote unquote written number one, and then we were told, sure. oh, you're going to have to do this rebirth, which is sort of a zero issue. And we went, oh, shit. Um, okay, well, oh, that's um, <laughs> one before you wrote your rebirth issue. Yeah, we started it. Yeah, so we ended up sort of robbing from Peter to pay Paul to make the uh, rebirth what it was, and then. I think if there were any criticisms of one, it was sort of the stuff that we we agreed with, which is, yeah, we kind of had to do a little bit of, I wouldn't use the word treading water, but uh, we definitely didn't advance the story as much as we wanted to in the first issue because a lot of that went in the rebirth. Sure. So we reset. I mean, for people that, reset. that didn't buy Got the it. rebirth issue for whatever reason, and we're only starting in with number one, it's a just as good a jumping on point as Rebirth. And that was one of the marching orders, is make sure if somebody didn't read Rebirth, if they picked up one, they would know what's going on. So there was a lot of that. And then that's why we really are excited for two, because it kind of feels like that's where we get to start our story in a way, even though it's definitely been started and the team is together. It's like, you know, that's yeah. where we get to You roll. get to start really seeing team dynamics and, and character, you know, the personalities clashing in good and not so good ways. And, and so I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of fun. And that was the other main uh, sort of marching order for this book was they wanted it to be fun. So it can be a little dark and gritty, but we at the at the heart of it, you want this book to be something that people enjoy picking up and reading, that it's a fun book. So sure. that was great for us. I mean, one, one of the other notes we got early on was more jokes, which... We're used to not having jokes. So being able to write more jokes was kind of great. <laughs> Julie especially loves writing jokes, so I let her write all the jokes. She's funny that way. Yeah, for Very every cool. like 20 jokes I write, Shauna makes me cut 15 because she's like, it's too many jokes. And then I'll get a note that's like, did you guys 10. make more jokes? So yay, I win. <laughs> <laughs> now, Julie, I've heard you on um, the Nerdist Comics uh, panel, and I guess it's or, you know, the – yeah, I guess they do call it the Comics Writers oh, yeah, Panel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a uh, good friend of, uh, of Heath Corson's. And um, I've heard, you know, uh, I, I, I'm assuming it was at a couple of conventions that you guys got to sit around and, and talk about certain characters. I haven't heard the most recent one. Oh, we where did I guess like you're talking about 30 Thor. minutes on Thor. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm looking forward to hearing that. It was it was literally we did a couple of episodes in one day over at, at Meltdown, and um, I was friends with Ben Blacker, and I'd never me met Heath before, and so when Shauna and I went on, I just like I fell in love with him. He's just the funniest, smartest guy. So is Ben, obviously. And so oh yeah, oh I like them both. They Absolutely. asked me to come back and do a few more, just like hey, let's talk about Thor for a while. And I was like, I'll talk about Thor all day long. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> and we only had like 30 minutes, so it's the funniest episode to me. I haven't listened to it yet, but um, yeah, Thor and 30, essentially, <laughs> with Ashley sure. Miller, who, you know, co-wrote the first Thor movie, so it was pretty fun. Right. Yeah, I did notice that that she was on the on the uh, on the program as well. That's cool, Shauna. How many podcasts have you done so far? <laughs> well, uh, I actually have a secret past of podcasting. Uh, uh, I, here it comes. Oh, I co-hosted a podcast with a friend of mine, uh, Christian Linky. We we co-hosted a podcast called Geekarati. We started okay. it around <laughs> 2007, I think. Nice, and that a girl. So very good. It, it, we ran it for a good five or six years, and then it's and then you know things just kind of fell apart a little bit um, as life. life life got in the way. Yeah, um, it's hard. But you know, no. we probably did. I think we did over a hundred hours of that show at least. Um, wow! So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, that was a that was a good time, and and so I I got used to you know pontificating 
and opining on all things pop culture through that. Uh, But as of late in my new, quote unquote, new career as an actual writer, I've only done what, like two or three? This is probably your second or third. Yeah, so not many. Is your Geekerati feed still up somewhere or not? It is. It was a blog talk radio show. Oh, very good. And uh, I believe it's still live on iTunes too. If you look excellent, so okay. The old you know, there's you know all that stuff is out of date now, but there's still some like That's evergreen okay. episodes where we talk sure. about pulp, you know, pulp novels or you know, fantastic classic movies or whatever. So it was fun. Awesome. Well, 2007. I'm impressed <laughs> because I. Well, really, not to be really not to be jerky about it, but I will be, I guess, because some people, are, you know, they they turn into Barney Five. Like, yeah, I've been podcasting since two thousand ten, yes. so I'm kind of an expert. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, go home, Junior. <laughs> I was celebrating my anniversary in two thousand ten, so no, I always say like two thousand five. I always put it in astronaut terms. Yeah. I think you'll appreciate it. I always say two thousand five. We were the Mercury astronauts. Yes, yes. It, I was in the Gemini you, program. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You, you're part of the Gemini class, which is very honorable. That's where Neil I'll Armstrong and Buzz, you know, never I mean, made that, it into the Apollo program. But you know what? Not all of the Gemini astronauts made it into Apollo. We so lost that's okay. the moon. We it's lost okay. The moon. I lost the moon. It's fine. Yeah, Ed White and Gus Grissom. No, it was sad. Um, God, that's that's fantastic. I no, really, I do like that because seriously, every now and then I will hear some podcaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been doing it a long time since 2010. It's You're like, like beat go. It. Beat it, kids. Yeah. Well, we missed our we missed our chance when there was an opportunity back around. I think it was in two thousand nine, or it may have been earlier than that. I'm not sure, but um, Meltdown Comics was interested in hosting a podcast oh, yeah. at their store, and um, and and <laughs> this we, little place called Meltdown. Yeah, Comics. A little place on Sunset Boulevard. Called oh, Meltdown everybody Comics knows it. Yeah, was interested yeah, in hosting yeah. a podcast at their store and having you know live shows and whatever. And we talked about doing it, and then because we were just we had day jobs and it was really hard for us to kind of put that together. We didn't do it, and lo and behold, along comes this nerdist, nerdist. this nerdist group, <laughs> and they Damn you hard shop with. there. And I don't know what happened to them, honestly. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, really I don't know either. Yeah, that. yeah, I know that. God, good luck to them. I, I know. The I think they're still on MySpace or something <laughs> like that. But John, you've been around forever, and your podcasts are so fun. My favorite part of your episodes are when you start talking about like old movies. And old actors. And Let's go to town, ladies. I'm, I'm I am I am happy saying. to talk. I, you know, we're talking on uh, August 31st, and uh, my favorite month of Turner Classic Movies is just ending. Oh, the the Summer Festival of Stars. When every every day it's 24 hours of one star, and they always pick they pick great stars, and they pick like Spencer Tracy certainly had a day, James Garner had a day, but I love when you know it's it's the character actors days, oh, and it's those are the greatest. I, those are the you know, greatest. Of course I'm TCM is on my TV probably 24-7 when I'm home. Um, I'm the biggest Katherine Hepburn fan. At a girl. I have a signed letter from her when I wrote her when I was, I think, 10 or 11. Wow. Um, I was such a – I was just obsessed with her. I thought she was the coolest. She wore pants. She was brassy. <laughs> she ta- she yeah. said what she – you know, she spoke her mind. You could like, swear. Yeah, she didn't take any shit from she, anyone. She was just gorgeous and awesome. And so when I was 10, yes. I was like, this is the most, most amazing person. I have to write her a letter because I feel like we're best friends. I've seen all of her movies. Wow. And I did. I wrote her a letter. I sent her one of those school pictures that you cut out. You know, you get like the little mini wallet size. Yeah. Oh yeah, I sent her one of those because I figured she better have that. And 
you know, basically said we should be pen pals and all this. Uh, it was so embarrassing. And I remember I got a letter from her secretary saying, you know, thanks for the letter. Sorry, you know, Kate go town sand, essentially. Yeah. And my and I cried. I was so devastated. And I had already written another letter, and my mom found that letter. And I, because I was so like, well, we're not friends. I can't send this. And my mom sent the letter, unbeknownst to me, with a letter attached saying, um, you know, hello, Miss Hepburn. I don't know if you know this, but my daughter is your biggest fan, and she was heartbroken, and blah blah blah. And so I got this like typed on her letterhead, stationary letterhead. Um, letter back and autographed, you know, basically saying like, thank you for your letter. I'm sorry. I don't have time to be pen pals, but I'll think of you and I hope you're fine too. And, you know, sign Catherine Hepburn and it is legit in a frame in my house. Wow. (laughs) It's, it's in the living room and is my most prized possession because she didn't sign anything ever, you know? So it's, it's checks. Yeah, checks. That was Maybe. about it. So the fact that Holy I have shit. that is just so near and dear to me. So I'm a huge TCM fan, and I just I love when people talk about movies. But part of our origin story was growing up in the Midwest. Most of what we did was watch old movies and yeah. and science fiction shows. You know, so we grew up on John Wayne westerns, nice. Ray Bogart movies, Cary Grant, Jim Jimmy Stewart, and uh, and Doctor Who. <laughs> Oh, and Star man. Trek. And Star Trek. How come we didn't like live near I each know. other to hang we out? I'm sorry, guys. We would tune in, we would tune our, our little in, our, our antenna on our roof to get the signal that came from Bloomington. Bloom, the big city. Yeah, from Bloomington rather than Peoria because Peoria wasn't always carrying, uh, the PBS station wasn't always carrying Doctor Who and sometimes you had to get it from Bloomington. And uh, and and we would like get it all tuned up, and then we would record would all of the episodes. Stay up late and watch Tom Baker episodes with nights. our dad. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And then you now, know, subsequent to that, all the other ones. I was gonna say now Baker aside because we all love Tom Baker, but like, all right. So who's your um, of, of the of the old? Who's your number two? Uh, run. Yeah. Who's your number? My two? number two might be Peter. Oh, it's Davis. either Peter Davis. or Silv. Yeah, that one's tough. Or McCoy, okay. It, I, I think in later years, I became more of a Pertwee fan. Well, yeah. I love Pertwee. I, I knew you were going to say Pertwee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, he came to Chicago. Actually, I was really lucky. The 20th anniversary. It's so funny that it's now the 50th yeah. anniversary. Again, sadly, old enough to remember <laughs> as a young teenager, the 20th anniversary. <laughs> and um, Davison, Baker, and Pertwee all came to Chicago that year in different, like, shows. And... um. Got to meet them all. Wow. Could not have been all of them. And, and when we met Davison, his episodes hadn't come out yet. But that novelization of like the visitation with his photograph was out. So we knew about him through that. Oh my yeah. gosh! And he came, and he was married to Sandra Dickinson yep. at the time. Yep. Who was you know Trillion in the Hitchhikers uh, television show, and they were lovely. They they were very sweet, and they just came to this comic book store in the city, and. Sandra Dickens like, did you recognize Peter as the cow in the dish of the day? Stop it. It was fantastic. We're like, and seriously, oh, no, (laughs) but that's cool. Thank you. You know, of course, I was 14. Oh, man. And Baker was great. Baker put, like, he did a one-man show and was awesome and funny. And now that we're done, if you want to get in line, I'll be happy to, you know, sign an autograph and everything. So we're all waiting in line. And then he came through the line. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, and he put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, "I'll be right up there in one moment." I'm like, "Okay, oh, thanks." For you've never washed shoulder. that shoulder to this day. <laughs> it's true. It's black. <laughs> we used um, to go to Visions in Chicago. Did you go to Visions? 
What was Visions? I don't remember Visions. It was the big Doctor Who convention in Chicago at the, what was it, Rosemont? No. It was in Rosemont. It was at the, it was at the, uh, the Hyatt, I think. The Hyatt or the Ramada, one of those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, sometimes. But well, uh, and the, yeah, we used to go to that in the early '90s, and it became very, multi multi show after a while because I mean it was during the the dark years where you know the show had already been canceled after right. the twenty after the twenty fifth or twenty sixth season, and so we were right. like you know desperate for anything that you know, and and all of the rumors would come around like it's coming back, and we'd be like, is it? And then, of course, it was like never coming back, and. These kids, these kids today, don't they know don't know how, how good they, they have it. <laughs> I have a hey sonic man, no spork. Li- Could you imagine as a kid having a sonic spork? No. I mean, come on. <laughs> All I remember getting was the uh, bank, or it was like a tea holder, like a, like a tea bag holder oh. of the TARDIS and, and Tom Baker being on, on one side of it. That's amazing. I had I had one of those. Um God, you were killing me what, uh, when you were saying about uh, with kids. Well, that's the thing. Sometimes when something comes out and you get the – I always hate that on the internet, the meh, oh. M-E-H. And it's like, oh, fuck you. You don't know the <laughs> crap we had to watch because that was all – I mean even the 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 movie, yeah. the Fox movie. Oh, yeah. We devoured it because it was there. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, it's not the best Doctor Who, but it is Doctor Who, so it's okay. That's right. And Paul McGann you know, And actually good. he's – what's that? Did you well I was gonna say he I really felt like I, I even listened and I'm, I bet you have as well, those big finish audio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, I'll tell you, they McGann like rose in my esteem because of those That's and exactly also right. Colin Baker too. Yeah. Colin. We love Colin. Oh man, there there are great audio dramas with Colin Baker. No, he there and 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 I'll be honest, I wasn't a big McCoy guy, but but again through the audios, I'm like, all right, no, it's good. I keep wanting to get uh, Nicholas uh, Briggs, the guy who's yeah. behind Big Finish and stuff, yeah. and I'm trying to kind of work my way into asking him to come on my podcast because I'd love to talk to him because yeah, I, I really think the Big Finish audios are just amazing. So. Yeah, well, uh, you, we were just talking about, sorry, John, we were talking about ourselves, we're like, wait, we know people over there. We'll just give you some names and numbers after we're done. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be awesome. Seriously, because honestly, yeah. yeah, there are other comic creators that I'm like, oh, yeah, as your as your relationship is getting established, that'd be great. So, no, I'll die. Any help you can get, give me, ladies, I, 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 that would be great. <laughs> I love Thank putting you. people in touch with each other. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. That's really nice. I appreciate that. So what other what other classic sci-fi shows? The Prisoner? Prisoner, yeah. yeah. Our dad was a big Prisoner fan. I couldn't get into it because it was a little scary for me. I was a little young. I can appreciate but, that. But um, like that ball, that's all I remember. Oh, was- over. oh, my God. Scary as hell. Yeah. There was like a scary <laughs> ball, and that's all I remembered. Um, we were big into like Red Dwarf Blake and Seven. Blake Seven. For sure. Nice. God, what else? Uh, oh, man. it's. I mean, I'm racking my brains. I mean, Space 1999. Yeah, you know, I I really kind of came around because again, I sadly remember the first run, yeah, and it was just so weird. Uh, I like Jerry Anderson's. I loved uh, Thunderbirds and all the crazy marionette stuff, Stingray yeah. and stuff like that. I loved that as a kid. No, but yeah, it was John, weird. and now I really appreciate it. Space nineteen ninety nine. John, did you ever see the show Space Cops? Star Cops. Star Cops. Why did I call it Space Cops? I don't know. I don't know Star Cops. No. Oh my god! Try to find it. We were obsessed with it. How many episodes? Nine. Were, there were like nine, only nine episodes. episodes. This is. Like, I always love shows like this. this Go is on. Such a hipster nerd thing of like, did you ever see the one season oh. show with nine episodes? Oh Star please! Cops. I, 
was that, that wasn't Ted Shackelford's show, was it? No, I don't think it was. Um, okay, but it was it was one of those that they sort of like threw on PBS after Doctor Who episodes, right? So it was okay. sort of like you'd get Doctor Who and then uh, Blake Seven or Red Dwarf sure. or sure. this show that was Star Cops, and uh, yeah, it was, Julie pulled it up on. Uh, Wikipedia, bless you. 87. 87. Okay, it was, it was no. done in 87. It was basically cops on a space station. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like the most basic Literally idea. A space procedural. It was a space procedural. Cops on a space station. It was really fun, though. I mean, and it was, it was really good. good. I mean, it's probably not. I don't know. But <laughs> but in our heads, anyway, it was We were like, young sure. enough to think it was awesome. High drama. So we were, if we could ever do a remake of a show... We have dibs on Star, Star Cops. Cops. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> well, like VR five was like that, and it was only <laughs> one season. Hey, remember on UPN Nowhere Man? No, yeah, no, I do remember. Springwood? Well, wait a minute, I always get that one confused with Jake two point Hang on. You see, I didn't watch. I didn't watch Jake two Nowhere Man was Bruce Greenwood, oh, right. uh, Christopher Pike, and the JJ from Star. Yeah. Oh man, you know, well, and again, like your father, I was a massive Prisoner fan, and it really had a good Prisoner vibe to Ooh, it. Ooh, okay, I'm gonna check it out. It does. It's. Uh, it is frustrating that those shows don't seem to take hold very well in modern. Well, in modern age, I don't know what it yeah. is. Well, and you know that was actually back when having a, a, a season long story arc was the exception. Oh yeah, true. And, like, I, did you guys ever see on Fox that show Profit? Yes. Oh, I loved age- Profit. That was a Me panel too. show. And, yeah, it was. It was just crazy how good that show was. Well, I didn't know it was a Stephen Cannell show. That makes sense. It was. It was. It was one of the later shows that he did, but it was sure. good. Well, you know, like Wise Guy, I mean, that's the thing. I, like Wise Guy, I think, was one of the first shows that would really have like an extended story where it wasn't just the procedural of the week. And and now we're spoiled with those kinds of shows. But, yeah, you know, really for a long time in the 80s and 90s, they would try that stuff and it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Because, you know, they just couldn't gather enough of an audience. It's a it's a different so. world that we live in now. I mean, people yep. are more patient I, or in, more patient in some ways and more impatient oh, in yeah, other ways. impatient. Right? I, oh, you know, it's <laughs> like they're much more willing to sit through a serialized story, but they want it quickly. So, <laughs> the, you know, Game of Thrones all day long, but let me binge all, you know, all the episodes in a, in a sitting. So, oh. I, and I, I appreciate that. I respect that. I mean, it, there, there's definitely, you know, a longer conversation you could have about, you know, is that the way comics are ultimately going to go because people like buying the trades? Yeah, what and, do you think about that, John? Do you think more people just wait for the trades now? Yes, I absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, and I think also it's a binge culture. I think that's what they do. I think it's partially that. I also think, frankly, it's the 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 you know price of a comic, a single comic, is really getting crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, that's why I do appreciate Image coming along and going, "Hey, guess what? We've got self-contained stories, and uh, you can read the first trade, and it's uh, less than you know." <laughs> what what the big two are yeah. charging for their for their trades? Yeah, no, it's a new it's a new world, and that's why when DC was kind of stumbling, it's like, hey, you guys better get your shit together because Image is you know doing it at a cheaper price, and you know they're able they're able to compete, and also you know because it's all self contained and creator owned, you know the creators are like, well, we'll only charge three bucks a comic, yeah. whereas you know DC and Marvel are flirting with five bucks an issue, and it's like. I don't know, man. I, I kind of miss those days when I had 10 bucks 
and could walk away with like eight comic eight books. Comics, so. Yeah. I mean, thank God for DC doing the two ninety nine for all the rebirth stuff right now, because yes. Yes. I, I would be broke. I'm buying every, everything and reading everything. And I, yeah, I don't know how anyone does it. And you definitely have to, you know, pick your battles of which book you want to read and what you're going to wait exactly. for, for trade. But yeah, I wonder if Marvel's going to follow suit. That's the real question, isn't it? Well, but then Marvel's got the digital unlimited, and that's a hell of a buy. And I have a lot of friends yeah. that were, were lapsed readers that now are back, and they're like, I can be six months behind. That's okay. See, And I, that's the other thing. That's, that's only six months at. behind. Yeah, that's not yeah. a long time. I mean, in our world, yeah, well, you'd just be one one trade behind, and you could catch exactly, up on that in a story day. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It's no, it's, it's very interesting. And um, – no, and in fact, uh, your other your other work with TV and stuff, I think that's really a fascinating moment right now where, God, there's so much scripted TV out there. It's nuts. And it's nuts. all the platforms. And I mean, you can't, you can't watch everything. I mean, you know, I mean, you can't, I, only, I have who, or I have Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, and every now and then I think about Hulu and it's like, oh, I really want to see that James Franco 112263, for example. Oh, yeah. You know. And, and I don't have Hulu, it, so I'm like... Same here, same here. And then Netflix just did a deal with CW, so I think this just like got announced a few months ago that all of the CW shows will air after the episode, after the finale airs of the season, the next day, the whole season will be up on Netflix. That's cool. Uh, which is pretty That's cool, because a lot of people were, yeah, you have to wait almost a year to get your next season in if you binged everything, you know, in a day. So sure. I think that's great. I mean, I don't know what that's going to mean for, you know, CW.com and CBS.com and all these places that were trying to show their own stuff. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new universe out there. And I think everyone's running to catch up. Well, I also remember Les Moonves of CBS saying um, that he's, he was kind of frustrated and he's like, you know, we produce all the CSIs, yeah. and we we pay for them. And yes, we get money back from our sponsors when we air the shows. Meanwhile, USA will run the reruns, get a rating that's pretty close to ours, haven't spent a dime on production, and not only are getting uh, sponsor money, but also cable subscription money. <laughs> and and you know, and I I mean, well, yeah, you know, and that, that's the thing. There's that's the current dynamic that cable, while it still exists. It's out there. And also, I've also heard them say maybe we're rushing too quickly to Netflix and not serving that basic cable audience and making our money, you know, licensing the show that way before we do make the deal with Netflix. And so, yeah, I mean, that's it's really I mean, again, I'm a broadcast nerd, so I can't help but watch me. And also, meanwhile, my corner of broadcasting is going the way of newspapers and CBS is like, hey, uh, how about if we dump radio? Oh, and it's like, oh my God, you're gonna dump radio? Is it happening? (laughs) Is it happening? I can't. I don't want to live in that world. Oh no. Well, but they want to. You know, they want a movie uh, partner because every other network, you know, obviously ABC has Disney and NBC has Universal and Comcast and all of that, and CBS doesn't have. I mean, they had Paramount. I'm very confused. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe when Sumner Repstone finally uh, walks away. We'll see how all that shakes out. But, boy, this is all broadcast nerd shit. But I know, I know like the comics I, is like Z. Yeah, can you talk, please, about when Solomon Grundy might be showing up in I, Birds of Prey? I mean, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, no, but I well, they're used to my show, and I, I mean, I dip into these other areas because I am I'm, I am fascinated by what's happening, and I, as someone who used to cover sports covering comics and really geek media and stuff. I just think this is a really fascinating time. It's a good time to be a geek. That's for sure. 
Um, yeah. So wait, so who's been around longer, Comic Geek Speak or Word Balloon? They are a couple months older than Oh, me. they beat oh, yeah. you by a couple months. A close rivalry. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, well, that's the. I think we were all kind of inspired around the same time. Yeah. The, Fanboy Radio. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I have of heard ten. of it, but I never listened to it. Yeah. Well, they were really the first that that did a weekly show that would do interviews and stuff. And I even I called in a few times as a listener. Ah. And absolutely, because they were like really, really early on. Because they they were out of uh, and they still are. I think uh, Texas Texas Christian University's public radio station. Are they still it, around? They are, but they're very infrequent because their show runs on Sunday evenings at 6 or 5 or something. And I know that they get a lot of conflicts with Texas Christian sports. Oh, wow. So if it's game on, then their show gets preempted. That's crazy. So, yeah. So, it is and also, jocks I, versus nerds all the way to radio. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. So, yeah, like I was originally going to do a documentary about – comics and chicago's influence in comics oh wow and and had a videographer and i interviewed azarello oh. and um my friend doug claba who's a who's a painted cover artist and um uh, this uh, company out of chicago called moonstone that did a lot of crime comics and i really wanted it to be about crime comics in particular and i interviewed max allen collins about road to perdition and dick tracy and oh, uh, ms tree and all that stuff so um but my videographer kind of like flaked out on me and I had all the interviews and I'm like, well, what if I take the audios and set up a website and post those? So I started that in May of 05 and I think Comic Geek Speak started in March of 05. Oh, curses. Spoiled again. <laughs> oh, no, that's, no, no, no. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I know you guys are teasing yeah. too. But no, I yeah, I don't think that way. No, I, I want to hear more good uh, comic podcasts. That's why I was really happy that Ben and Heath are, are you know, kind of really amping up what they're doing with the comics writers panel. Yeah, it's been really it's fun. I mean, they're so funny. And just to be able to sit there and riff about Thor or one time we did like, yeah, listener questions or something. It's just, sure. it's been really great. I, I really wish they'd do more. I, I want like a weekly podcast from my podcast. I, I have very high expectations from you guys. I want to be able to get on my commute and put on my weekly podcast um, you guys cannot have lives outside of this world. So, <laughs> well, honestly, I really think doing stuff like this is kind of social. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like talking to you and 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 getting to know you guys a little bit better, and then I'll I'll see you guys at a convention, and it's like, oh, that's great. You know, you, I mean, that's how. Will you be at you know, New York Comic Con? I I am ninety percent certain. There's still a ten percent doubt. Okay. Uh, but I I because I missed the last two. Because of radio conflicts, and one year I had surgery right, right before New York Comic Con, oh, no. and I was like a little too close to recovery time, and I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll skip it. So yeah, it's been like, uh, like I think 14, no, uh, 13 was the last time I've been there. So yeah, I really want to get back to New York. So good, I'm glad. Are you both going to be there? Well, it's not official yet. We're trying to figure out our scheduling with the 100, but I think sure. it's a, like you, it's a 90% chance that we'll actually be there, and we've never been to New York Comic Con. Oh God! I, I yeah, it's a yeah. it's a clusterfuck. I mean, it really <laughs> is. There's no other way to say it. It really is. I mean, it's so much fun. Obviously, it's New York, and it's great seeing everybody and so many of the not only the uh, current people but a lot of the old timers because they you know when they had to live near DC and Marvel being in New York oh, and stuff. We, you know, obviously put roots down there and still will show up to New York. But man, the Javits Center is just too small to handle that show. And when they combined it with. Uh, the anime show, it's like, what are you idiots doing? Oh, no. 
it was bad enough when it was just comics and film. And I mean, I'm interested in this year. They're doing you know so many stuff off, so much stuff off site. Oh yeah, they're doing stuff at the Hammerstein, um, and I, I can't remember if it's the Hammerstein Theater or Auditorium or whatever. But a lot of TV stuff is going to be there, and I and I want to see Madison Square Garden too, which what? is hilarious. I know, isn't that awesome? That's it. fantastic. I've covered a lot of fights in Madison Square Garden. I can't imagine a nerd like, thing over there. Oh my god, <laughs> that would be hilarious! The first time I go to Madison Square Gardens for like a nerd thing. That would be <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. It's um, but it, it is. I, well, the great thing though is, as bad as the main floor is, Artist Alley being in its own room. Uh, that's fantastic. That is just the respect great. they deserve. Finally. Yeah, yeah, no lie, and it's it is it, it they they curate it well, and it's really nice, and it's that sunlit uh, room wing of the Javits, so it's it's really really great. But yeah, just getting there, it's like that scene in Metropolis <laughs> where the workers are shuffling off to work, and they're just so tightly like in that giant crowd, oh, just no. kind of barely able to move. Oh God, I. Didio and Kyle Higgins, I've seen them with like the biggest scowls on their face going the opposite direction. And we're just in a sea of people. And I'm like, don't worry, man. Like another 10 minutes of this and you'll get to where you need to go. And they're like, oh, yeah. Lord. Okay, so we have a so. lot to look forward to. Well, it'll be really fun to see everyone there if we if we get to make it out. Like, yeah, I Absolutely. think I've been to New York once in my life. Same here. <laughs> Have you had any good Dan DiDio stories yet? Um, only that he's been nothing but lovely. We met him for the first time okay, at the uh, WonderCon uh, event where they were announcing the Rebirth stuff, uh, which cool. is actually how we found out we got the book because really? no one had told us we were doing the book and we got a call from the publicist. Like we had turned in our pitch and we were kind of waiting and we got a call from the DC publicist saying, so uh, we're trying to figure out the WonderCon schedule. Just wanted to know, are you guys going to be available? Blah, blah, blah. And we were like, um... Uh, what? <laughs> so, and then we put the phone on mute while I cried profusely. Um, yeah, and uh, then we got back on. So, yeah, no, we met Dan there the, for the first time, and he was lovely. Gave us big hugs and was super excited about the book. And Jim and, just, and, Jim and everyone. Yeah, it was nice. yeah. That was we literally were thrown into the fire. Yeah, that day it was a it was That's a lot true. of wide eyed staring around at people <laughs> and going. Those people have been doing this forever, and now I'm on a stage with them, and that's. I weird. remember we introduced ourselves to Tom and those guys because they're all they all know each other, so they're all mm-hmm. huddled and chatting like bros, and we were kind of standing off to the side, like no one's talking to us. What do we do? And then we introduced ourselves, and I mean, just immediately, everybody was like, "Okay, you're in. Welcome." You know, it, that's awesome. It was yeah. So great. Um, why do you have some really fun dance stories that we need to know? Well, I always, uh, you know, I I always break into my Dan DiDio er, uh, imitation, which is like half Yogi Bear and half Jackie Mason. (laughs) All right, listen, I I think what you're doing is great, and uh, I really want to uh, welcome you to uh, the the family and uh, be in DC Nation. And, uh, you know, Sundays I do Q&A where I ask people what what their first comic was. And uh, Oh, my God. I'm literally applauding. That was – Thank you. Bravo, John. (laughs) That was really my end with the DC people, Jan Jones – and uh, uh, oh, damn it, Fletcher, mm-hmm. uh, Fletch Chu, Fletch Chu Fong, uh, the two of them. Are, yeah, they're they're like, hey man, <laughs> like we we're waiting for you. They're like, do more dance. Oh <laughs> my god. Okay, I can't wait to email <laughs> Fletcher tomorrow and be like, guess what I heard? Yeah, it was it, it was wild. In San Diego, they put us on a panel about DC Rebirth, and when they told us we were going to be on this panel, we didn't know who we were going to be on the panel with because none of the panelists were listed. 
So we showed up and, you know, and there's Dan and Jim and they're like, Jeff. oh, Jeff will be here in a minute. And then it was Christopher Priest. Oh, uh, yeah. I and, lost my wow. proverbial shit. We went backstage. Wow. Hell yeah. And I, I, I like actually threw my bag down. I said, Sean, I'm going to go pee. And I ran to go to the bathroom <laughs> and Shauna texts me. Um, you won't believe who's back here. And I remember running backstage and it's Christopher Priest. And I ran up to him like a crazy person. And I grabbed his hand and I said, you wrote the best Black Panther run I've ever read. I'm such a fan, blah, blah, blah. He was nothing but generous and lovely. But I completely embarrassed myself within the first 20 seconds of being back there. I understand. No, he's great. And I haven't had him on the show yet. And I, I'm such a fan. And I, and I hope to have fun one day. So and he, he even great. said, uh, we couldn't give that book away back when it came out. And everyone seems to love it now. I was like, are you kidding? Yeah, I was reading it, too. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, man. He's writing yeah. Deathstroke. Oh. I know. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, that hasn't come out yet, mm. has it? The Rebirth just came out. Oh, okay, cool. You know, I because I've, I've, uh, the radio jobs kept me busy, and I've missed my last it's two crazy. Wednesdays, I including today. Do you have, like, a poll list still? I had to create one online just to keep track of everything because it's too much. And this week's Yeah, and, and no, because my pull list, was, you know, my box was, like, filling up and everything, and I'd be like, well, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I like that anymore. So I've got enough of a good relationship with a lot of the, the local stores in the city that I don't need a pull list. They give me a pull list rate because they're like, oh, you're helping us sell books with your show. Nice. So. Well, I know. Isn't that awesome? That's I, awesome. I seriously, yeah. I well, you know, honestly, that's that's been the really, really nice. Uh, the two things, the retail side and the creative side, has been have been both very supportive of what I do, and that's really cool. Well, you're so. doing it because you love it, and I think that, that's what everyone, you know. Look, there's you yeah. don't make much money writing this comic <laughs> book, you know, sure. but you don't do it for the money. Everyone is doing it because they love it, and I think Absolutely. that's that's what makes this industry so unique, unlike the others where. It is about money and it is about getting your face out there and whatever. And this, I'd be happy to sit in a room and write this book for the rest of my life and and not make a penny. Don't tell DC that, but Here. because I love it, you know. <laughs> I understand. No, I feel the same way. And that that has been the fun thing about podcasting is, yeah, I would have always loved to have done a radio show like this. And now because narrow casting seems to be viable it's like all right this is cool and i and i'll even say you know I'm, i am making a little bit of money on this and it, it helps the costs on the show and getting to conventions and stuff like that but it's nice i'd love to expand it i'd love to you know i mean i'd love to have a word balloon network the way hardwick has the nerdist thing going and stuff oh, like that wouldn't that be amazing you know. well i was about oh. to say something that could be interpreted as rude which is you have a, an amazing voice for radio but i didn't want you. you to think that you don't have a beautiful face for everything else uh, <laughs> no you guys are, oh you seriously <laughs> And not to not to get maudlin, but you guys have literally seen me at my worst. I was fighting Trim two years ago, and uh, some personal things happened that have really, <laughs> you know, it's like it. I, it's no, a, you fight through you fight through the dark days, Are you and you kidding? get back to where we you're ordered pizza so, for lunch worry. today. It is it's getting <laughs> ugly over here, John. <laughs> I told them before we started recording. I'm like, listen, it's got to be audio <laughs> because uh, video screws up my uh, my my software recording software. And like, please, we've been like, you know, sitting around our house, like, you know, writing all day. You don't want to see us right now. And I'm like, all right, no problem. It's pretty gruesome. It's pretty gruesome. <laughs> well, you like us. And also, God, I so packed wrong for San Diego. Oh. I was like a ball of sweat when I met you guys. I mean, that's why. Oh, Jesus. It would ju- you'd walk out of the hotel and you're just dripping. It's awful. It was. Yeah, it was ridiculously humid for people who weren't in San Diego. And I'm sure you've heard it from other podcasts. It was just 
really i mean and then shame on us we're right there on the ocean i mean and yeah i know you guys are in la too but it's like you know for for and especially as midwesterners and everything you know landlocked chicago well we got the lake but you know that's not like uh, that's not like having the ocean and certainly san diego is just like the most one of the most beautiful cities in the country plus it raises like 400 degrees just with the body heat of all the people there i mean (laughs) i know know. god well i kept you guys too long because also it's i noticed that it's uh it's probably seven your time, so I want you guys to go have dinner or something like that, and, and you know ha- get back to your regular. Eat lives. the rest of that pizza and start working on uh, Birds of Prey uh, issue five. issue five. Excellent, can't wait. Um, next issue is September fourteenth. Yeah, and that's issue. Yeah, so excited about that one. Hopefully, everyone Fantastic. sticks with it, and yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I just I'm so, I'm so worried that people won't read it. <laughs> Hey, seriously, I really love the Rebirth issue. I will go out and, and grab issue one uh, from Chicago Comics uh, in the next couple of days now that it's the Labor Day weekend as we're talking. All right. And then uh, if we see each other at New York Comic Con, we'll have a few to talk about. Absolutely. No, that'd be great. And seriously, pleasure to talk to you and get to know you a bit better. Please come back. So much fun. To. Thank you, John. Thanks. So there you go. Julie and Shauna Benson. Uh, make sure you check out Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Uh, episode three, episode issue three no issue two because they started with a zero issue issue two comes out september 14th in the meantime uh look forward to some great programming coming up in september on word balloon got great guests coming up brian bendis is back with a new conversation we also have a conversation we recorded in march uh but uh, brian just wanted to uh you know hear it i i let uh, the guests full disclosure if the guests accidentally like lets out like a spoiler uh, or some sort of information that, that they feel, uh, you know, something I don't want that in the public. I, I do edit. It's okay. It's comic books, folks. It's not cancer curing. Nobody is withholding information that would hurt the public in any way. It's entertainment journalism. And sometimes that means, you know, uh, you know again, these guys and women get excited about the, the stories that they tell. And sometimes we got to make a few snips. So anyway, that conversation, Brian got really busy. And you'll hear about some of the crazy things he's been doing on the next episode of Word Balloon. But uh, we'll also bring this uh, great conversation from March in the weeks ahead. But great, long, two-hour Bendis discussion coming up on the next Word Balloon. Also, this weekend, uh, the 9th through the 11th, Cincy Comic-Con is on its way. And uh, I am going to be doing a lot of panels. I, honestly, I can never thank uh, the folks at Cincy Comic-Con, Kendall, Kara uh, Moore, Tony Moore, great people, great hosts, they, Bill is another guy that, uh, and I forgive me, Kendall and Bill, for not remembering your last names. But these are really good guys and women that run this fine show and are always incredibly nice to me. They let me come out. Um, they let me choose the panels that I want to do, which is insane. And because, you know, Tony Moore is Tony Moore, uh, lots of great uh, artists show up. And uh, there are return people like uh, the revival team of Tim Seeley, Mike Norton, and Jenny Frizen. They're all going to be there. Kate Leth is going to be there. Um, I'm trying to think of others. Well, I'll tell you about some of the panels that I'm doing, and that might get you excited. Uh, I'm really happy that uh, the convention uh, sponsors have decided to fly out my good friend Marty Pasco. Uh, we are doing the first panel on Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. That's going to be fantastic, and I-, I can't wait to do it. Uh, at 5 o'clock, right after that, get to know Azzarello, Brian Azzarello coming in. Uh, talking about some of his uh, great uh, new books like Moonshine that's coming up from Image with the 100 Bullets team and uh, also uh, I want to say it was American Monster I think is his Aftershock book I'm really enjoying it I want to confirm it is American Monster I'm looking at the latest issue right now and of course his work on The Dark Knight 3 
So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to Brian Azzarello. On uh, Saturday, I'm going to be doing a, a panel with independent creators Jim Rugg, Alexis Zinnett, Sarah Dyer, and Kyle Starks. Really looking forward to that. That's going to be great. Then um, at 1 o'clock, Spotlight on Mark Wade. Cannot wait. That's going to be a fantastic conversation. I love Mark. I miss him. I haven't seen him in a while. But that's going to be great. Then um, 3 o'clock, I mentioned before, the entire 100 Bullets team is here at Cincy Comic Con. Brian Azzarello, Eduardo Riso, the wonderful artist, interiors, and Dave Johnson, the excellent cover artist. So it's called 100 Bullets, First Shot, Last Call. Really looking forward to uh, that conversation. I always, you know, uh, Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction, we did, a, we did a panel with them a couple years ago about sex criminals. Last year it was Rick and Tony Moore and Mike Hawthorne talking about Fear Agent. So those are always really great conversations. Then Saturday at 5 o'clock I'll be doing the horror panel, which will feature Ming Doyle, Mike Norton, John Lehman, Evan Dorkin, and Andy Ballinger. So that'll be a lot of fun. Then, Saturday night, they're doing the art auction party, and emphasis on party, because unlike your typical art auction, uh, there's going to be a lot of games being played with the audience, there are going to be raffle prizes in addition to the pieces of art being auctioned, so you're going to win something, and you have a good chance of winning something. (laughs) You're going to have a chance of winning a great prize, uh, in addition to possibly bidding on something, but... uh, I know last year they also put original art in some of the raffle stuff. But this is going to be a lot of fun. Music, food, drinks. Can't recommend the art auction party enough. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to do, um, I think, am I doing this one? Reinventing the Wheel. With Dennis Hopeless, Kate Leth, Mark Wade, Jason Latour, and Brian Azzarello. Looking forward to that. Then uh, I will be doing, what's the last one? Is that my last one? I think that's my last one. But that's plenty. So I'm very excited. And that uh, not only uh, will the attendees get a chance to see that stuff live, in the weeks ahead, uh, sp- uh, interspersed with uh, my new conversations on Word Balloon, I'll be sending the Cincy Comic Con panels out to you as well. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to it next weekend. And uh, can't wait to tell you more. And I'll give you more information about it on the next episode of Word Balloon. But in the meantime, today's episode brought to you by In Stock Trades at InStockTrades.com, as I said, <clears throat> so many volumes of Birds of Prey from the various creator teams are available at InStockTrades.com. Also, other collections like Invincible Iron Man, the premier hardcover, Volume 2, War Machines, and that, of course, is Brian Bendis, along with Mike Deodato, and the book is 50% off, just $12.49. You can get Jessica Jones, Trade Paperback Avenger, getting ready for the return of Jessica's alias with uh, Brian Bendis and Mike Gatos. Can't wait. These are other artists that have touched uh, Jessica over the years. Where did they touch you, Jennifer? Jessica? Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this book is, uh, what's the price over here? I'm slow today. I'm sorry. 50% off, $9.99. How about Scalped? Book 5, the Deluxe Edition. I'm so glad that they are treating Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerra's scalped to this kind of premier deluxe edition. Book 5 is 50% off. It's just $14.99. One of the great Vertigo runs ever. You've got Superman, Lois, and Clark with Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks. This is the uh, convergence 
miniseries or post-convergence miniseries that led up to what's going on in DC Rebirth with the real Superman, now that he's back, the real Lois Lane, now that she's back, and their real son. How about that? Pretty interesting stuff, the uh, young Superboy in training. This is going to be a lot of fun, and it starts right here in Lois and Clark. 50% off, just $8.99. Got to point out the Omega Men. Hats off to uh, the Harvey Award winning Tom King. He won for his uh, great series, The Sheriff of Babylon. But you can get uh, the Omega Men, the End is Here trade paperback. That's the full run. It is, uh, let's see, 42% off, just $14.49 at InStockTrades.com. Great deals, great savings, great books waiting for you. $50 or more on your order. You receive free shipping. Help out, my friends. They have an excellent website, and they're just waiting for your uh, shopping interests at InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to Word Balloon. Uh, another episode coming up before the weekend. And, uh, man, I'm, uh, I'm going to have a busy week because I'm doing interviews left and right this week before Cincy Comic Con. And then I'll be doing all the panels at Cincy Comic Con and really looking forward to presenting all that information to you in the days and weeks ahead. It's going to be a very busy September. where We've already got two episodes in September for you. Uh, more coming. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you, as always, for your support. It really means a lot knowing that you, all of you are out there listening and enjoying what uh, I try to do each week. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.